We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Monday night against the Houston Rockets, a team that comes in losers of five straight, 23-29 and 29 on the season. They did start off the season pretty well at 13-9, and nine, but between injuries and just the schedule catching up with them. Uh, they're 10 and 20 in their last 30 games. Um, and you will see just how, how banged up they are coming into this matchup. Uh, joining me to talk about this matchup is going to be Roosh Williams of Rockets Watch. He's done a couple of different Rockets-centered content and pods over the past. He had him on the pod last year, of course, to preview the next matchup against the Rockets. And I think you're going to be really informed by this conversation. And more specifically, if you're worried about how shorthanded the Knicks are and how they looked on Saturday night, I went into this conversation with that concern. And then I talked to Roosh about the Rockets. And let's just say my concerns were were not put to rest completely, but were uh, lessened. They were lowered after this conversation. So we'll get to that in just a second. I do just want to say two things. To anyone in our audience that may be a Knicks fan and a Kansas City Chiefs fan, Congratulations. Back-to-back Super Bowl championships. This one, the most improbable. They were underdogs in all in three of their last four games, in three of their playoff games, I should say. I was going to say all four, but uh, obviously they were favored to beat the Dolphins. Uh, congratulations. Your team won the Super Bowl again. Uh, I know it was a long time coming when they won the first one, and now three in five years has happened, and you've got yourself a dynasty and because you got that guy at QB, number 15, I think you might have one for a while. So uh, congratulations to you. And then the other thing, if you're a Knicks fan and a 49ers fan, my goodness, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I don't think you lost the Super Bowl. I think you just, the other team won. Uh, the Chiefs played like champions. The Chiefs are the champions. The Niners played like champions. They did everything they could to try and win that game. And um you know, this is just the, the nature of sports sometimes. So I hope everybody had a fun Super Bowl Sunday. Roosh and I recorded this conversation before the Super Bowl, uh, but obviously we released our Knicks Film School pod already. Um, 
If you can't hear, I'm recording this after the Super Bowl. My voice is a little shot, so I will not be doing an outro. Just know we're doing our regularly scheduled stuff on Monday night. Uh, we got a watch along going on. We have a post game show, of course. So I will see you on that for both, of course. Uh, and until next time, you know, uh, we'll have a pregame pod on Wednesday morning as well. Uh, okay, let's get to my conversation with Roosh Williams of Rocket Watch, previewing the next matchup on Monday against the Houston Rockets. Enjoy. Joining me now for another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show with the Knicks. Well, whoever's left standing, whoever has two legs, is able-bodied, will not die midway through a basketball game. Uh, they're all headed down to Houston to play the Houston uh, Houston Rockets, uh, who come in at 23 and 29 on the season. But don't let that deceive you. They're a difficult team to play against. We welcome back on a returning guest, uh, Mr. Roosh Williams. Roosh, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. Super Bowl Sunday. Beautiful day outside, kind of, not really, um, but I'm, but I'm feeling good, man. How about you? I'm good. I I'm going to assume that, like me, your Super Bowl hopes were dashed long time ago. Although the Texans made the playoffs this year, so the, things are on the up and up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that long ago, but you know, it was one of those things where it was like, ah, I don't know. It, 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 the the Texans outperformed expectations so drastically that my view was we were playing with house money the whole way. So. I was good with it. Very much happy to be here is, yes. is the feeling, yes. which yes. I got to be honest, that's how I, I, I'm going to, from the outside looking in, assume that the start of the Rockets season was like yeah. that the 13 and nine start to the season. I was like, oh my gosh, competence. Like I remember last year from our conversation, how frustrated you were with just the overall structure and the coaching, of course. And what Ime had brought in was like, okay, a base level of competence is good. I know they're 10 and 20 since then. And I think that's where I want to start here from the Knicks fan and maybe just from the outsider's perspective. What's changed in the last 30 games? And just like how in general are the vibes in Houston through the total 52 that you've played this year? Yeah, I mean, what's changed? It's going to be a cliche excuse, but I think it is legitimate. And I think it's very applicable. Uh, injuries. I mean, it's, it's injuries. This team <clears throat> from the beginning. So when I looked at the roster at the beginning of the season, my thought was, okay, they're undersized, number one, and they can't really shoot. Mm. And in the NBA, if you can't do, you know, if you can't do one of those things, it's tough. If you can't do both of those things, it's actually really tough. So I didn't have high expectations coming in. I thought 33, 34 wins, which maybe they're getting closer to that now that they've kind of been on a skid lately. What they were able to do, though, is despite being undersized, they played super tough. And the reason that they were able to do that is because defensively, they were actually a little more versatile than I thought I'd give them credit for. Jabari Smith, 6'11", seven-foot wingspan, switchable, can guard one through four, sometimes one through five. Um, Dylan Brooks, you know, he is, he's been as advertised, but he's also had some, some positives that have helped defensively. He's strong, 6'6", six, six, um, you know, beefy, sometimes does some, some dumb stuff. But, but then you have Tari Eason as well, right? 6'7", seven, seven, wingspan. So those three guys allow, and then Fred Van Vliet, stout, obviously not big, but he plays smart defense, good team defender, good point of attack defender. Um, and then Shangun had stepped up defensively. So you put all of that together and they were able to play a little bit bigger than they were because they had that versatility between Tari, uh, Tari Eason, Dylan Brooks, and Jabari Smith, right? So what changed, Dylan Brooks got hurt. Tari Eason got hurt. And then Jabari Smith got hurt. So those three have been interchangeably hurt over the last month. The common thread being that Tari Eason has been shut down uh, for the last month now. Tari Eason had some kind of injury in the preseason. I, I think it was a, I'm not a doctor, so I have no idea. I think it was a stress fracture or something, um, which sounds like, hey, he should miss time, but he did not miss time. 
and he kept playing through it. And then they finally shut him down. So I think the issue is they mismanaged that injury and it was, it never actually got better. So, so to, to boil it all down, they're 12 and 10 when Tari Eason plays. They are 11 and 19 when Tari Eason does not play. And Tari Eason, if you look at the advanced metrics, and then for those of us that watch all the games, Tari Eason changes things for the Rockets and they haven't had him and they aren't that good without him. And they're not deep enough to, to overcome the fact that he's out. So that's what's going on. So to your point about the advanced metrics and then matching the eye test that you're referring to, we love our, our EPM here at Knicks Film School. And uh, Tari Eason on the season had a plus 2.5 D EPM, defensive EPM, which is in the 96th percentile. Now, whatever stock you want to put in the, the dunks and threes of it all, the, the fact of the matter is he's one of the better defenders that the league has to offer from an impact metric standpoint. And he's only played 22 of 52 games, which can, to your point, like you said, they're 12 and 10 in those 22 games and can point to why in the last 30, they are, like I said, 10 and 20. I believe they're somewhere. Now, what's, what's curious to me is that that's losing someone on the defensive end. That seems to be a plus. And just looking at the net rating and the, the ratings since that stretch, since I believe it was December 17th was when this this turn started. But like it seems where the offense is is more of a struggle, that they're they're 22nd in offense and they're about middle of the pack on defense. What are what are you seeing on the offensive side of the ball that speaks to some of those struggles? And it is, is it what you spoke at the beginning? That they're just like not a good shooting team. And that is is really the that contributes more than anything to why you're not scoring the ball, you know? So there's a lot going on here. So number one, <clears throat> the impact metrics, Atari, that you cited match the eye test all the way, right? Um, the simple answer is that offensively, they're not good enough to overcome being mediocre defensively. They were really good defensively with Tari, and that is why they were winning games, despite not being that great on offense, right? Even all, all being said per NBA.com, whichever website you like, they're still the number six uh, best team in defensive rating. And that's with Tari Eason being out. So it is what it is. But they definitely lose a lot of that edge without Tari Eason, especially late in games. He also creates so many extra opportunities with offensive rebounds. He's a great rebounder. Um, but so offensively, what's the issue? They have one guy, one guy who can efficiently score or average, I should say, who efficiently averages over 14 points a game. And that's Alperin Shengu, right? And so, and he's been on a little bit of a bad stretch lately too. Um, and, he, and he missed last night's game against the Hawks, I think with a back injury. So he might even be playing hurt. If he does come back against the Knicks, we'll see. He might not. Um, he's been hurt, right? So they got one guy who can efficiently score over 14 points per game. If you count Fred Van Vliet, last I checked, I don't know right now, but the last I checked, he was averaging, I think, a career high TS percentage, but it's still like 55.6-ish, which isn't, you know, it's fine. It's average-ish, you know? So if you count him, then they have two guys that can average over 14 points per game efficiently. Everything else is below that. Jalen Green has had a really up and down season. He's been playing a lot better over the last like 10, 11 games. So I guess that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, offensively, they're, they're like, they don't have guys who can create. So they have one guy that's Shingun, but they don't use him in the way that you'd think, like the Kings use Sabonis or the way that the Nuggets use Jokic, obviously different types of players. But, you know, they, they kind of just post him up. And let them work. They don't you. They don't run pistol action where they're rubbing guards off the shoulders and doing DHOs and all this kind of stuff. Just a very, very simplistic offense. They'll post Shingun up, or they're very heavy pick and roll. Van Vliet, Shingun, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. Just seeing what you get, and then they don't have the shooters to really supplement. Like when when the defense collapses, packs the paint, you kick it out. The Rockets aren't much of a threat. 
Um, and that's kind of what's been going on, right? And then the biggest issue, man, is there it's their bench. I mean, with the injuries, their bench is Jeff Green at age 37, who to start the season, Jeff Green was great, but I mean, he's his age is showing, right? You you can't over rely on a 37-year-old Jeff Green. Love him. But on on any, you know, above 500 or legitimate playoff team, Jeff Green's not in the rotation, except for spot matchups and spot minutes. Jay Sean Tate, uh, who is just like one of the most limited offensive players probably in the league, 6'4", can't shoot. He has one move. It's a drop step left hook off the glass. Um, so that kind of tells you what that is. Anytime he's in the game, the defense just totally backs off him and collapses the paint. Aaron Holiday, career journeyman, third stringer, undersized scoring guard, you know, undersized combo scoring guard, six foot. Uh, there are nights, and lately he's been doing it, where he's the Rockets' best three-point shooter by percentage, by the way. But there are nights where he steps up and scores. But it's Aaron Holiday, you know? It's like, again, back to Jeff Green and Jay Sean Tate. On any actual playoff team, those guys are not in the rotation. So it's those three. Then it's Amen Thompson, who he's having some some really good flashes as a rookie, but he's a rookie. He can't shoot offensively, right, to the point. And then Ime Udoka also. I love Ime Udoka, but he's he's playing some very perplexing lineups. So he'll play up, he'll play Jay Sean Tate and Amen Thompson together. And like it's, we're talking two of the worst shooters in the league, right? And so it just doesn't work. And then fifth, it's Cam Whitmore. And Cam Whitmore has been awesome. He's been a lot of fun. Cam Whitmore got hurt the other night. He did not play last night. He might not play against the Knicks. And if he doesn't play, they're super thin. So they just don't have depth, man. I mean, they got one of the worst benches in the league. Um, and, and you're seeing you're seeing that. So a couple things. First of all, I want to also back up your take about the well, not your take, your observation about how the offense is. It's, it feels like this is an Orlando conversation because I could I compared the Rockets and the the Magic to that, that basically the Rockets were Orlando West or the Magic were Rockets East whatever you want to call it that these were teams that weren't going to try to outscore you they were going to try to make sure that you scored less than them that it was yes. coming from a defensive side of the ball first. The Knicks have this team from three years ago. We call it the We Here season when Julius Randle won most improved player where they were a bottom 10 offense the entire season, but they were a top two defense. And okay. that is the model that I like to, that I point to when I see teams like this where it's like the offense isn't what you want all the time, but the defense is always what you want. And to your point about Tarese and we pointed to the impact metrics, the on off on cleaning the glass speaks almost specifically to what you're talking about. He's their number one in on off this year, plus 10.8. It's in limited possessions, but that speaks to the injury that you're talking about. Um, in the possessions he's played this year, they're plus 10.1 overall. There you go. And even more so, they're 50th percentile in offense. So it's like middle of the road on offense. It's only 150 points per 100 possessions, but the 98th percentile, this would be one of the best defenses. Well, like to your point, one of the best top two defenses in the league at 105 points per 100, per 100 possessions um, when he's when he's on the floor. And when they're off, they're like minus 0. 0.1, 0. 0.6. So it's not like... It's like they they go to a different level and then they're a 500 team when he's out, which is like to your, it's literally what you're saying about Tyrese and the impact he's had on the team this year, it sounds. Yeah, no, that, that, exactly right. And it's, you know, it, it might be a cop out to put it all on one guy. But look, when your team isn't that good from a talent perspective, like the Rockets don't out talent most teams, right? Maybe theoretically in terms of potential, but in terms of the actual realized, you know, value at the moment, they still got a lot of young guys figuring their stuff out. And it is what it is. Um, so when you do lose Atari Eason, I mean, yeah, it, it's a big deal. And again, 
the defense lately has been getting shredded in the pick and roll, both with Shangun in the game and even last night when, when he sat. It is a weak spot of theirs. But when they have Brooks and, <clears throat> excuse me, when Tari Eason was healthy also early in the season, Jalen Green was getting benched uh, down the stretch in, in the fourth quarters, right? So the Rockets would basically run their starting lineup with Tari Eason in the place of Jalen Green. And so you had, like I said, Jabari, Dylan, Tari wreaking havoc on the perimeter, Fred doing his thing, and then Shangun doing enough to make it all work, right? And they were, as you can see from the numbers, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you lose that Tari Eason and then you lose Jabari, I mean, they played a lot of games without two of those three. And there's no way, if they if they win a game without two of those three, it's got to be against like the Wizards or the Grizzlies, you know? So, so then this speaks to the depth that you're talking about and how they may just be kind of walking wounded at the moment. Um, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but this like you're talking to a Knicks fan right now that uh, we had Jer- Taj Gibson and his uh, God bless him. Like I we love Taj here in New York. I saw the clip of like him just like it's it's know. the fact that they're asking him to play more than like seven backup minutes is ridiculous. And in the last two games, he's been like, oh, you're our starting center, Taj Gibson. You know, like we're going to depend on you for minutes. And it's because like Mitchell Robinson's out. Isaiah Hartenstein's out. Well, I'm assuming he's I don't think Hartenstein's going to play before the All-Star break. So that's where I, I'm, I'm almost. I'm 99% sure there's a 1% and it's because our coach is Tom Thibodeau and maybe he like murders or an athletic trainer that would rule out uh, Isaiah Hartenstein because he needs him for two games. But I, I'm going to assume Hartenstein's out. Jericho Sims has had an illness and we have no idea why that made him miss three games, but so he may play, but like their center depth is really poor. Obviously Julius Randall's out. Precious Achua is out. They're, they're missing. Precious is out. Oh, not Precious. OG Ananobi. That's an annoying thing. I've been mixing up the Raptors since they've gotten here. And they're like not even close impact-wise. It's just a thing I keep doing. Um, OG Ananobi's out. But like Precious Chua might start either at center or at the four on on Monday night. I say all of this because I just gave you an idea of the depth that the Knicks are going to have going. And obviously, they just made this trade for Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burke. So that helps a little bit. But like their their eight man rotation, which they're probably going to go with an eight man rotation, especially if if Jericho Sims is back, is 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 thin and it's not it's not going to have their top tier talent. So to the Knicks fan that you you spoke to who might not play at least like I'm assuming it's annoying that Cam Whitmore is not going to play. He, I'll I'll explain the Knicks connection to Cam Whitmore in a second, but it's got to be a Villanova thing, right? So that's part of it yeah. because the so. I'm assuming the Mavericks, you don't, because of the interstate rivalry, you don't like the Mavericks, right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. We hate the Mavericks too, but there's added bad blood. And because it's not of Jalen like, Brunson or what? There's the Jalen Brunson, there's the Porzingis of it all. Also, we have control of their pick because mm. of the Kristaps Porzingis trade, but that was also true last year. And it's top 10 protected. So it and didn't convey. They were so bad last year that they tanked their last three games to make sure the pick didn't convey last oh, year. So are y'all pissed because that happened and you could have had Cam Whitmore, but you if don't? If the Knicks end up at 11, they probably take Cam Whitmore. Okay. And now we have to watch Cam Whitmore look awesome okay. with a pick that we didn't have last year. The Knicks <laughs> traded their Damn. own top, their own pick last year in last year's draft, which was lottery protected for Josh Hart thinking, well, we have a second pick with Dallas because, of course, it's going to convey. They have Luka and Kyrie. They're not going to miss the play-in, right? 
and lo and behold, they missed the plane completely. So, wow. okay, yeah, wow. So, I, like, look, look. I, I respect the chess move that they did. It's just really annoying when I see all these Ken Whitmore <laughs> highlights. It's like, yeah, that could have been like we need a, <laughs> need a young piece that can play minutes at the moment for Tim, and he's I'll not doing you, it. And he's ready to go. He's got some issues. Like, so he's he's young. He's nineteen. He up until like two days ago, he was averaging less than one point zero assists per game per thirty six. Okay. okay. <laughs> so just, just take that in for a second. He was averaging less than a full assist per 36, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, so he shoots when he gets the ball, but man, he's like, he's, uh, he can light it up. I mean, he's ready to light it up physically. The shots there, uh, when he drives, like people move out of the way. When he gets posted up, it doesn't go anywhere because he's strong. He, he's got that. Now, I don't know if he's going to play. To, uh, do, do we play tomorrow? Is it tomorrow night? Monday night, Monday night. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to play against the Knicks, but he got hurt. I think he tweaked an ankle on Friday night. And so he sat Saturday night out. So we'll see what happens uh, to that point. But, um, but he's, he's been awesome. Um, And honestly, in a lot of ways, Jalen green turning it around these last 10 or 11 games has been in direct correlation with Ken Whitmore starting to play. It's almost Mm. like Jalen green looked over and said, Oh shit, my my spot's (laughs) not safe. You know, I I need to play. Um, But you know, look, the Rockets, um, they have what's frustrating is they they play close games. So like they'll go down, but they will claw back and make like a fake comeback at the end or like they're never out of a game. You know, last night they lose to the Hawks by nine. It was they were leading up until like the last, I don't know, nine minutes. They lose to the Raptors on Friday by three. They lose to the Pacers on Tuesday by three. Blown out by the Wolves. That is what it is. Um, and then you go back and I'm talking only games they've lost, not the ones they've won. But, you know, they lose to the Nets by two. Uh, they lose in OT. They blew one to the Blazers somehow, lost by six. They lose to the Jazz, uh, to the Celtics by nine. Like they just, they're always in the game. Um, and so, especially if you guys are thin and we're thin, I would expect this game to be close to some degree. So, if you want to go through it, like the eight surefire rotation players, the Knicks fans, because we don't watch the Rockets every night, of course. And we're just looking at box scores and potentially looking at like who may or may not be healthy. Like what's what what rotation could we expect to see? And is it different than well, just what rotation could we expect to see on Monday night? You know, so at a minimum, I think you're going to see starting uh, Jabari Smith, Amen Thompson, Dylan Brooks, Jalen Green. Um, Fred Van Vliet has been out. There was talk that he might be back by Monday, which would be the Knicks game. So if that happens, then it might just be your luck that Fred Van Vliet makes his return. Great. <laughs> um, and also, real quick, while I, before I forget, uh, without Fred Van Vliet, who has not played the last two games, um, the Rockets generally keep turnovers low, and Fred Van Vliet's a big part of that. Uh, but on Friday night, they had 22 turnovers against the Raptors. Last Ooh. night against against the Hawks, they had 17 turnovers. So if, if he doesn't play, you can expect a lot of turnovers for the Rockets. But um, So I would expect those four, Jabari Smith, the men Thompson, Dylan Brooks, Jalen Green to start no matter what, unless Fred Van Vliet plays. The fifth starter, it's either going to be Jeff Green or it's going to be Shangun, um, depending on, you know, if, if Shangun's healthy. If Shangun sits out, then it'll be Jeff Green who starts. Like I said, having Jeff Green play his age in minutes is not a recipe for success. And that is that what, that's what, that's what's been happening lately. He played 31 minutes last night. But um, and so so those five and then off the bench, you can expect Sean Tate and uh, probably also Aaron Holiday. So not much of an NBA roster. Right. But, it, but a lot of it. A lot of it depends on Cam Whitmore, Amen Thompson. I'm sorry, Cam Whitmore, Fred VanVleet, and Alperin Shangun being healthy. If those guys are healthy, those guys are going to play. Um, but if not, then then you know, like like last so last night they played the Hawks. I'll just tell you the, the lineup with those three guys hurt: 
starters, Jeff Green, Jabari Smith, Amen Thompson, Dylan Brooks, Jalen Green, all played 31, 31 minutes or more. Um, the bench, Reggie Bullock, who has been on the bench all season. Yeah, he's, he's a former Nick, right? What's the Nick? So, Always a Nick. So, there you go. So, Reggie Bullock, he's been in Ime Udoka's doghouse, by the way, and I don't know why. Because we need three and D guys, and you know his defense hasn't been great this season, but he can still shoot it, you know. Um, and he's only playing because of the extensive injuries. But it's one—it's been one of my pet peeves with with Ime. It's like, can you play the guy who can shoot? Because we don't have anyone who can shoot, you know. The bench: Reggie Bullock, fifteen minutes last night. Jay Sean Tate, nine minutes last night. Jock Landale played thirteen minutes last night. He's been an enormous disappointment for the Rockets. He is the reason that Jeff Green is overextended because we don't actually have a backup center. Aaron Holiday played 22 minutes, and then we have a G leaguer named Jonathan Williams who goes by Nate Williams. But that was our bench, right? I mean, like, I don't know. That's, that's really not, you know. You have some very fringe NBA players on that bench. So I see your fringe NBA bench, and I raise you <laughs> Thursday night when, after for the second half, Isaiah Hartenstein uh, didn't didn't injure completely his Achilles, but had a sore Achilles and was ruled out for the second half. And the mm-hmm. Knicks went with a one-man bench of because uh, Taj Gibson was their bench player. And they had somebody named Charlie Brown Jr. play a meaningful minutes in the second half. And then <laughs> Obi Toppin's younger brother, Jacob Toppin. Oh, my uh, God. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, that was... We wrote that off as a schedule loss, but, like, Brunson was out. Randall was out. Like... Uh, oh, Ananobi was out. Hartenstein was out. It was you very got a much triple double from Josh Hart. That's crazy. A triple. Like, look at Divincenzo. It's seven threes. It's the only reason that they like the, the accomplishment that we took from that fourth quarter that they made Luca come back in the game and play forty minutes was like okay, this is the baseline Tibbs competence. They had no chance of winning, and they made Luca work for a double digit win. Like we'll take it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The cool part about this season for for where Knicks fans have had to adjust their expectations is that like the last three under Tibbs, they didn't have the top-end talent, it felt like. So these regular season games like really mattered. Whatever happened in the playoffs was gravy. And now with the Adnanobi trade and with this new trade for bench depth, like there's a ceiling that we're trying to explore and 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 dreaming that it could like these regular season games just don't necessarily mean as much because right. there's playoff expectations that have you, now you been guys, put on. You guys are built to, I think, make a run. 
So let's go to that. That's the next. It's a little last, further in the conversation. Com- oh, go ahead. La- go ahead. Last comment on the injuries. Um, the other thing is, again, kind of the Rockets are kind of where the Knicks were previously is where we don't have the high end talent. Every game matters. We're fighting for a plan. Also, there's organizational expectations that they have set um, for themselves publicly. Like, hey, you know, we want to make the playoffs, whatever. So they got or at least the play in. So they got to kind of live up to that. But Fred Van Vliet, um, I'll check it right now. At one point, not too long ago, he was leading the league in minutes per game. Um, so some of it is just like sheer, uh, you know, wear and tear. So he's no longer leading the league, but he's still playing 36.7 minutes a game. That's a lot. Shen Goon um, does not have a backup center. So he's playing a career high in minutes. And so I think that those two are basically because of that. Tari was a freak, not a freak, but it was just a preseason injury. And then Cam just tweaked his ankle on Saturday. But, but those two specifically don't have adequate backups. And when they are off the floor, the Rockets – pretty much don't stand a chance. And so he may can't bench him. So that's what that's been. So then before we go to the Knicks, I'll actually ask you about your expectations. Like what does a disappointing season for the Rockets look like to you? Missing the plan. Missing, Missing the, the plan. Okay. Yeah, what if I mean, they make the plan and lose? So they're still a lottery team, but made the plan. I think that is something tangible. You can say, Hey, we made the plan. We went from being okay. this bad. We changed the culture, you know, and look, it's, it's not, necessarily binary there's probably a lot of rockets fans if they watch this that'll say oh you know it's there's so much improvement there's been so much development and growth and all that's true so it's not like i'll be you know oh my god this was a major disappointment but given that they've been in the fight and they were you know 13 and 9 12 and 10 with, with tari eason i mean they looked every bit like if they're healthy i think they're a playing team and they haven't been so to some degree hey that's not their fault but on the other hand I mean, they're trying to turn this thing around. And they, like I said, they publicly messaged like, yo, we want to make the plan. They called this phase two. I mean, <laughs> in the preseason presser, they said this is phase two. So they've set that expectation. So I think it's fair to hold them to their word. And that's what I'm going to do. That's fair. And you mentioned the, the turnaround and the, the attempts to turn things around that they've made this year. That would be a jump based off based off of last season, even if it is just like, I, I get what you're saying. Like you, you set an expectation. You have to meet that expectation. I, I could see you now being like, you know what? We had the season the Jazz had last year where we overachieved, got to 30, 35 wins. Even if that wasn't good enough to make the play in, it's still an improvement. There is a player that I, I want to ask about Jalen Green is speaking of improvement. And I, like I, I threw a, a rundown in the rundown I sent you, I threw a, a trade deadline mm-hmm. question is like, what was the move that Rockets fans wanted? And I'm, is that I'm what more, you're alluding to? I'm just more curious. Like this guy was in what w- was mentioned, what was brought up nationally is like on the block. And you, know, you, you said Cam Whitmore, his emergence may have led to some job security questions with Jalen Green. To the Knicks fan that just isn't watching the Rockets or specifically watching Jalen Green, I remember the poll you posted a couple of years ago, R.J. Barrett or Jalen Green. I voted for R.J. Barrett. I also <laughs> was okay with R.J. Barrett getting traded three months ago. Yeah. Just like what, what has happened with Jalen Green this season that it led to that conversation? And where do you currently stand with him? So, okay. First of all, he was, I mean, look, his extension is, is uh, coming up. Potentially, right? So he is a free agent as of, he's a restricted free agent as of not this summer, but next summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. I believe his cap hold, if the Rockets do not figure out an extension, I think his cap hold is somewhere in the neighborhood of $36 million. Okay. That is big, right? For a guy that hasn't proven to be worth that much money, that's a big question. And so I think the Rockets are very aware of that. Um, the Rockets did reach out to the, to the Nets. There was dialogue with the Nets in terms of, hey, picks, Mikhail Bridges, 
I can't confirm for sure, but I feel confident that Jalen Green's name came up in those conversations. Where am I at with him? Man, he's so streaky. I just don't know. Um, it, it's like, on one hand, he does some things that are great. Last night, he had his first career triple-double, right? He didn't have a double-double in his career until like three weeks ago. And then he rattled off three or four in a row. And I was like, where the hell was this, buddy? Like, what happened? Um, the main issue I have with him is that he can't shoot threes. Uh, and it, I think it's going to be hard to be a star two guard if you cannot shoot threes, right? Um, now, he also seems to – two things that that are worrisome about him is the efficiency has just not been there on a large scale. As a rookie, 54.7% TS. As a sophomore, 53.8% TS. Currently this season, 53.2% TS. I think efficiency was, was an issue with R.J. Barrett as well. But the main thing is when he's not scoring, he's not doing much else for you, right? Um and he wasn't scoring efficiently. So it's like, well, what do you do with that? And like I said, he was getting benched down the stretch by guys like Tari Eason. There was a point where the, when the Rockets were still winning early in the season where he was getting benched for Aaron Holiday and it was working, you know? And I was like, what? Okay, if, if that's what we're dealing with, then what are we doing here, right? And then you see Cam Whitmore and it's like, hmm, we have a prototypical two guard built in a lab to score. So I, I don't know. Now, on the other hand, and then the last thing that, that's problematic about him is that he's not really good against a half court set. He's good when it's an up and down game, when things are wide open, um, when, you know, it's kind of herky jerky. He can make things happen with his athleticism against the set defense in the half court. He's just not all that good, you know, and I'm so I'm looking to the future of like winning basketball. I'm not I'm not getting caught up in like the box scores and the stats, you know, people that disagree with me will pull the stats of youngest 21 player to do X, Y, Z and all this. And it's like, yeah, it's cool, but I'm watching the game and in the game, a lot of those numbers come when you're down by 15, you know, so it's like. So where I am with him, I'm okay that they didn't trade him. I didn't. I don't want to trade him just to trade him, but because of the upcoming cap hold and how serious that that's going to be, that whole situation, they either a got to figure out an extension that is worth it, uh, that makes it tradable, that doesn't make it like an RJ Barrett situation where you're like hoping you can get rid of that contract. Um, even though I think y'all did really well to go dump, you know, and get OG Ananobi. Love OG Ananobi. So it's either that, um, or you you hold on and you hope he hits. Um, Oh, I mean, obviously, or in the summer, you explore right. options, right? So those are the three. I'd be happy with any of the three. People on YouTube saw me smiling throughout your what you your while you were talking. It's this is exactly the RJ Barrett conversation we were having. Not efficient, getting benched down the stretch last year for quickly or Josh Hart or Quentin Grimes has streaks where you're like, oh, it's here, like yeah. this is great. And the transition that you're mentioning, they went he gone to Toronto and he looks great. Right. Because they're running him in transition. They're also like five games under 500 since he went there. So like, I don't even want to say that he's not a winning player because the playoffs did happen last year. And that I think was the thing I was always holding on to that fine. The 82 game sample has largely stunk except for pockets here and there. But I saw what that 16, that, that, that playoff player was. And a lot of it was because he was making shots. Like he decided to have one of his hot streaks where he was making shots during the Cavs series, during the Heat series, except for literally the last game of that Heat series where he went one of 10. So, like, I, I empathize with the, the Jalen Green situation and how there are moments where it looks great and then there are moments where you're wondering who they're going to trade him for this offseason. The, the last player I want to ask before I get to, to any Knicks thoughts is about, about Shingun because, my goodness, I want to talk about box scores that pop out and, and stand stand out to you. Like I, I was looking at, like we talked about the impact data and where he is in, I'll just, I'll just go back to it now where he is in EPM 
uh, this season. He's in the 91st percentile overall, the 91st percentile offensively wow. as well. Just what's his ceiling? Like, like from your perspective, like where have you started to put him at? Like, is it perennial all-star? Is this like a guy you can build around when you're, when the finished product has existed as far as like what the, the higher high ceiling is potentially going to be like, what should I make of what I've, I've seen just from a, a box score scout standpoint for Sangoon? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of, if you believe this, it's kind of controversial among Rockets fans. Um, really? Yeah. Because there's a, a bunch of people who are saying, oh, well, his defense, he's bad at defense. And you know, the others of us point to, well, they're the number six defensive team in the, in the league. So, I, I mean, it can't be that bad. Now, he does have defensive issues. Um, but again, those issues, it, it's, it's kind of like Brooke Lopez. I'll bring up Brooke Lopez. Uh, they're not, they're nothing, they're nothing alike defensively, but philosophically. Brooke Lopez was never a good defender, right? Never. Then he gets to Milwaukee. Uh, they team up with obviously Giannis and Drew Holiday and Coach Bud. They draw up a very specific scheme tailored to very specific personnel, right? That then vaults Brooke Lopez into being, you know, this level of importance where it's like, yo, Brooke Lopez is DPOI, you know, mm -hmm. because he's averaging two blocks a game. They have the perimeter defenders to, you know, defend the perimeter, funnel guys into the paint and force a tough little floater or a two-point shot. Brooke Lopez sticks his hand up. Very valuable, right? Now, Drew, Drew Holiday is gone. Bud is gone and the Bucks are 17th on defense. Hmm. Wow. It's funny how that works, right? So my point is there are philosophical defensive philosophies and schemes that can make you look good. And then when that stuff goes away, it makes you look bad. Now, is Shangun a good defender? I would not say no. I would not say he's a good defender. Did Shangun play pretty damn good defense when the Rockets were healthy with the scheme that they were running with Tari Eason and Dylan Brooks and Jabari Smith? Yeah, they were a top four team, like consistently. They're still top six, even though those guys have been out. So a lot of people have issues with the defense. And last night I was making jokes. Um, Shangun was out. The Rockets were getting killed in pick and roll. And I was making jokes on my live stream. I was like, man, they got to pull Shangun. They got to pull Shangun. Because that's what people will say. They're like, you got to get Shangun out of there. Pick and roll defense is terrible. And I was like, well, he's not in the game and it's still terrible, right? It's funny how that, <laughs> that kind of works. So, so that's the thing. Now, I, like I said, they have a one guy who can efficiently score 14 or more. And it's, that's him. It's Alperin Shangun. So, and they're still not even using him correctly. They don't, they do not utilize off ball movement. They have a very stagnant offense. The only guys that really cut are Amen Thompson and Tari Eason. Mm. They're not. So um, <clears throat> they haven't even tapped into the full potential, right? And he's still putting up 22, nine and five. Those, those assist numbers could be seven or eight per game if they would actually cut or if they had a couple decent shooters, right? Um, they don't, they can't utilize DHOs because they really don't have guys who can come off a screen or a curl and catch and shoot. They don't have guys cutting. So perennial all-star, I don't know, just because I don't know how the league's going to go. But offensively, the kid can do everything except for shoot threes. If he can figure out how to shoot like 33, 34% from three, sky is the limit. But, dude, he's 21. Um, he's not even 22 yet, I don't think. He might not even be 21 yet, actually. You can double check that. I forget. So he's, uh, the basketball reference is 21. He turns 22 July. In, in July. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. he's got a late birthday for his class, right? Like Jalen just turned 22. Shingun's 21 for the rest of the season um, until July. So, and he's able to do it all, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, he's been phenomenal. Um, I, but, but the other reason he's controversial is because the Rockets front office isn't necessarily uh, as, you know, they, there's been they've been a, it's been a mixed bag on Shangun for some of the reasons that I that I described earlier. Yeah. So th there's like speculation he might not be here in the not distant future or I don't know if it won't be here, but I I feel based on conversations I've had 
my opinion, I feel like he would not be considered untouchable if the right upgrade was available in terms of uh, think, think Sabonis in, with Indiana, where they traded okay. him to go get a Halliburton. Um, I, I think his extension is not a lock. Now, some of that might be cap gymnastics and, and doing smart, you know, holding off to make the best decision available, whatever. Um, but I don't think he's like a lock to just get the max and all that. So, so keep an eye on that. But, um, but he is, I think he is the best player on the Rockets. I think the numbers show that. I think the advanced numbers show that. I and mean, I think the eye test shows that. I've said this for a long time. He's the only guy on the roster who commands a double team. And how do you start on offense? How do you build an offense? You got to draw extra attention from somewhere. He's the only yeah. guy. We're learning that the hard way right now with Julius Randle being out, that a lot go. of Knicks fans get frustrated by some of the things he does wrong, that seeing that there's just nobody else adding gravity around Jalen Brunson, that it's like, oh, so when you just cut off the head of the snake, Jalen Brunson's able, not able to be stopped because he's still putting up like 35 and, and change a game, but there's just nobody else to go to. Um, so yeah, I, I that's a fascinating thing to pay attention to from in Houston. So two very quick questions before I let you get out of here. I know I went long on time, but the first one is your thoughts on the Knicks. Any questions you have about what's going on in New York? Any big picture thoughts about what they've done this season? Your your Knicks takes, sir. Okay. Um, first of all, I like the Knicks. Big Knicks fan. I told you this before we got on. Um, I, the NBA is fun when the garden is popping, when things are popping in New York. And it just hasn't happened often enough over the last like 30 years or so. Right. So who are you telling? Yeah. <laughs> fun <laughs> to see. But my questions would be one. Um, what impact has OG and Anobi brought? Because OG was a big, like, I was like, hey, man, maybe we use some of these Rockets picks from the net, the Nets picks from the Harden trade and go get OG and Anobi. So number one is, what has OG and Anobi brought? And in connection with that question, you know, do they extend him? How does that look? How does that work? And then my second question is, what are the expectations if everyone comes back? Is it a title or is it a conference finals? Like, what what do you think? So the OG and Anobi uh, ceiling that was created when it was like minute one, like they played the Timberwolves the first game and he was going, he was switching from cat to Anthony Edwards and just playing lockdown defense. It's like, Oh, that's an upgrade over RJ Barrett. I see it now. And it's so cool to see somebody like not contribute completely on the counting stats and have that type of impact. Um, what they, they were the number two defense in the games that he played. They were 14 and two in the month of January. And then he got hurt. So you're assuming he comes back. That leads to the expectations of like, I've seen what this team is like when they have Ananobi on the court for 40 plus minutes, which is what Tibbs is absolutely going to play him during the playoffs. <laughs> um, I don't have finals expectations. I still think Boston is better. I want to see them against Boston and with Ananobi. Like, I want to see it first before I'm like, this team could like screw around and make a finals. I do think there is, I think they're the second best team in the East. I, I personally, the, the Cleveland of it all, I still have a bit of a favoritism after how last year's postseason went. I get it. Both teams are going to be different going into that, but if they get Randall, if they get Hartenstein, if they get Mitch, if they get OG Ananobi back completely healthy and they've started to make moves prioritizing that, I think the healthy version of this team is the second best team in the East. That's me personally. And as far as extension talk, um, OG Ananobi is a CAA client and that just that's just like how my brain works like oh so CAA client's going to do what's best for the CAA run New York Knicks and I, okay. I, I just I, that's the connection that I make um, so you're not, even, you're not even sweating it you're like it's happening not even a little bit like I would be more shocked if like I'd be more shocked that if he doesn't resign than I am like if they made the finals like that's okay. more shocking to me than a okay. Knicks trip to the finals 
So let me also ask, is this the best Knicks team since the nineties? Nineties. And I'm part, like, I'm you're staring at a Carmelo Anthony jersey right there. Like Melo's my guy. And this is better than the 2013 team. And it's just you want to talk about team building, what they've been able to build, prioritizing like defense around Brunson, who's limited defensively. And it's like, okay, well, here's a good wing defender. Here's great rim protection. Here's this, here's that. And you really only have two. Well, I'll tell you, it's the two weaknesses on defense that exist were Jalen Brunson and to an extent, Julius Randle. He's a big body, but not the the most fleet of foot. Um, They've now conceded a little bit on defense with this most recent trade, but they prioritized shooting around Brunson. So now you add a, a higher offensive ceiling, which is where Ananobi coming back healthy will be very important. And so he'll be the, the, the anchor on the offensive side of the, on, on the starting unit when it comes to defense. And then Josh Hart can be the anchor on the bench unit when it comes to defense. So I, I, I don't see many weak spots, to be honest, when, when you, you have a fully healthy nine man rotation, when they come back, that's me, me personally, I, I'm, I actually I mean, want to see what the nine man rotation looks like when it comes back. Cause I want to see what the weaknesses are. So I can be prepared for them. You know, it's a fun, it's a fun team, dude. Um, and I think it's really cool to see how the Knicks went from incompetence to like, Hey, look at what we built. You mm-hmm. know, I think, I think that's kind of inspirational. Cause like, it doesn't really happen like that all that often where people just figure it out, you know? And like, didn't have to tank real quick. Didn't have to tank it. Yeah. They don't have a max contract on the roster. Like wow. the way they've had, didn't trade a first, like the, the only first they've traded in the last three years is a, a protected first for Josh Hart. I like, saw that. I, I saw the, the tweet of like, Hey, the Knicks did all this without letting a first go. Cause the Rockets have lately have just been farting second round picks out. Like it's nothing. They're like, Hey, you take a few, we'll give you a few. And it's just like, go. Oh, you know, what are we doing here? And, and right. we'll argue with fans where fans are like, oh, who gives a shit about a second round pick? And I'm like, dude, that's how you get players. That's why I- it's where they like Deuce McBride, second round pick, Jericho Sims, second round pick, like Jalen Brunson, second round pick. Like, yeah, that's where the, depth comes from. The, the Grizzlies just extended Gigi Jackson, right? Second mm-hmm. round pick. So, or, so last thing I'll ask is um, for Rockets fans okay. that, that might be hesitant to let Jalen Green go. You touched on the RJ Barrett parallel and, and analogy. After letting him go, like have the skeptics, have the RJ Barrett supporters, previous skeptics, like, do they get it now? Like, how would you, how would you put all that into context for like, just the people that are holding on to something who might be scared to let it go and, and scared to see the, the grass on the other side might be greener. I'll say this, the RJ thing got to year five and the, the, the place it had gotten to was as close to rock bottom as you could possibly be. There was like a 22 game stretch. RJ's last 22 games with the Knicks, he had as low an efficiency and as high a usage as Kobe's last year in the league, which if you remember was like, we don't care what your stats are. You're just, you're the attraction for the night. So like, that's how inefficient he was. And I think what I would say to a Rockets fan that's worried about trading Jalen Green, it's how much do you trust your front office? If you think that they're going to be able to trade him for an upgrade and for an OG and an OB. Like, that's what I think Knicks fans have been able to like, even like I, w- I was ready to let go of RJ. I thought he was more salary filler in the quickly and an OB trade than it was anything else. I recognize what's going on in, in Toronto was like, okay, they're focusing on putting him specifically in the best position to succeed, regardless of wins or losses. And the Knicks got better. So I can enjoy both. You know, like seeing RJ figure it out, seeing quickly with a chance to start while the Knicks got better. If you trust your front office to make a trade that'll make the Rockets better, make an upgrade, 
you can enjoy both the Rockets being better and Jalen Green going to a place that's not going to prioritize putting him in a role that may be more conducive to winning, but is where he's miscast. Like RJ was asked to like be a cornered three point shooter and a spacer. And that's not just him. He needs to get out and transition. He needs to cut and drive as much as possible. And even though he was like doing that with these pistol sets and a lot of pick and roll on the second unit, like playing around Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, you need to be able to space the floor. And that's what I would say. Like if you're, if you're very invested in Jalen green, there's a world if the Rockets make the right move that you can enjoy both him getting better and, and finding more success with a change of scenery while your team also gets better. You can watch them too. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, look, to be clear, if any Rockets fans are watching, I'm still waiting it out. I'm still waiting for the corner to be turned, but I am heavily monitoring the situation because of that enormous cap hold. So yeah, now believe me, we get it too. Cause RJ drafted, I believe that's a green was the two of the three pick. Two. RJ was four, right? RJ was three. So it's like right there, two and three. So we understand it completely. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Last question before I let you get out of here. The Mount Rushmore of Rivals. I ask every guest this. The four teams that you look forward to playing on the schedule, whether it's based on history, maybe the Knicks because of our 94 connection are on there. I I doubt it because it's literally the only connection as far as rivalries are concerned is that 94 series. But the four teams you look forward to playing to the most on the NBA calendar. So the Knicks, unfortunately, probably aren't on there. Um, no disrespect, of course, although I still love that final series. Um, I will say, I don't even know if it's like my personal opinion, but I'll just say for like Rockets fans in general, just because we've had beef with these teams the most uh, over, the, over the years, I would say probably the Thunder. Um, the Thunder are probably the most recent, especially because there's been so many transactions between the two, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Chris Paul. We've had playoff meetings. Um, so the Thunder, the Jazz, the Jazz have always been a thorn in the rocket side since the 90s, even the, the mid to late 2000s with like the Carlos Boozer teams. Um, <clears throat> Spurs, Mavs. Okay. You know, there's, there's just so much beef. There's there's division beef. Um, there's playoff beef between both Spurs, Mavs, and the Rockets as well. I mean, we, we plowed through the Spurs to get to the titles back in the day. Um, and then the Spurs kind of like turned it around and became a dynasty. And so that, you know, that wasn't the greatest. Um, and then the yeah. Mavs, we've just always had beef with the Mavs, just inter, interstate, you know? Does How often do you bring up in any Mavericks, uh, not, not Mavericks, Spurs debates, like that 95 series where Robinson won the MVP and then Hakeem took care of business after that? Because that's one of, one of my favorite like series to rewatch 
like the game, like the highlights are available and just seeing Hakeem go to work in, in that, that sweep was, was pretty cool. Well, and it's awesome because Hakeem felt slighted, right? I don't know if you remember that, but like he felt like, and Michael Jordan, he's like a Michael Jordan took it personally. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I took that personally, Uh, you know, the Rockets were the sixth seed. So Elijah was not going to get the MVP that year, but he felt like it was his MVP. And so when he stepped on the court, he was like, cool, watch this. Um, So I love that. I do try to refrain from talking shit to the Spurs. Because of what they became after? Uh, Because (laughs) they've got scoreboard on us, five rings to two, Uh you know, all that. But I will say my hot take is that um, if you put Hakeem Olajuwon on those spurs, they win five or more as well. And the the way that those legacies are viewed might be – I think some people have Duncan over Olajuwon, and I I would still put Olajuwon over Duncan. So Really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'm one of those people that would probably have Duncan over Elijah but I've never. It's not like a slight to Elijah It's just. It's not. I mean, look, objectively, uh, objectively, Tim Duncan has, you know, he's got five rings, right? What can you mm-hmm. say? Um, I do think Elijah probably has more defensive accolades. Uh, I just think Elijah was in a tougher situation, and and you can't hold that against him, Duncan. Maybe this is my bias speaking, but organizationally, the Spurs crushed it. You know, the Rockets didn't. It was like, mm. and if you remember, but a lot of people forget this. Hakeem went to the finals as a sophomore, as like the guy. Him and yeah. Ralph Sampson went to the finals, and they took down the Showtime Lakers to do it. And they lost to Larry Bird and the Celtics, by the way. So, like, people forget that. Um, and then, you know, they went back-to-back. Spurs never went back-to-back. Just saying. Um, and also, some of those Spurs opponents in the finals, mm, one of them, one of them being. I was gonna yeah. say, you're, I love that. I love how you're breaking, like you're, you're not not fully discrediting, but you're fully like <laughs> breaking down the Spurs dynasty, where it's like, well, we beat the '94 Knicks that had Patrick Ewing; they were a one seed. You beat the '99 Knicks seed. that were an eight seed that probably shouldn't have been there. Needed some luck with a four point play in yep. in the conference finals. Knees you know, on on tilt. I mean, Allen Houston. I can't even remember. Was Allen Houston's knees Alan like Houston. functioning? Larry Johnson had a bad knee, like injured his knee in game six against the Pacers. The Knicks still won. Like you beat Chris Dudley in game one of that series. Like unbelievable. I, I love, I love how you're doing this. Like, yeah. And, and they, like, look, I mean, I'm not done there. 98, eight seed Knicks in 99. Uh-huh. Uh, the the, the Nets. Nets, it was like probably the worst finals team ever. And then, you know, young LeBron in the Cavs with no help. So the LeBron saying. and the LeBronettes in, in 07. Yeah. Whereas yeah, you, you even go to the second Rockets title where it's like we were a six seed and took down Malone and Stockton. Barkley the year after an MVP, the we're actual MVP, it. Shaq and Penn. I'm, I'm, I'm buying into this narrative. I love it. We're going to go for two hours <laughs> if you want to bring that up. That is the, <laughs> it is the best finals run in NBA history. Every yeah. team they beat, I'm going off top here, but they beat two teams with 60 plus wins and they beat two teams with either 57 or 58 plus wins. Every, every series was on the road. I think we're the only team to ever do that. The sixth seed, lowest seed to ever win it all. Go back. People say Dirk in 2011 was like the best run ever. That was an awesome run. But but this one and Elijah Wan in um, in 95, again, <clears throat> no all-star teammates. It was it was old Clyde Drexler. He was old at the time. It was Clyde, but it was old. Um, and Vernon Maxwell, people forget, got dismissed from the team. So like just lost Vernon Maxwell, didn't replace Vernon Maxwell. You probably remember Vernon Maxwell very, very closely from the 94 series. So yeah. it's like you go back and look at that. Yeah. Like you said, Stockton and Malone. Barkley and the Suns right after his MVP season or maybe two seasons after his MVP season? No, it was just the year after. Oh, no, yeah. you're right. Two years. Because Hakeem won in 94. You're right. You're right. Uh, David Robinson and the Spurs, who, you know, I think they were the one seed that year. They were and he the was one. The MVP. And then Shaq and Penny, who everyone thought Shaq and Penny were going to steamroll the Rockets. And it didn't happen. We swept them. So I'm just saying. But, you know, so I, I put a little bit of stock in that. But, of course, that's my bias because, you know, five rings is five rings. So I co-signed the most impressive 
finals run, by the way. Anytime people go. bring up the Dirk 2010 one, the only, well, it's like we had this conversation last year during the playoffs because everybody was comparing the Heat to the 99 Knicks. And it's like, you might want to look to Houston in 95 for what, because the, the Heat had championship, not championship experience, but like playoff experience and just rode that for four series and just upset after upset. And then ran into a juggernaut in the finals or more specifically stopped hitting threes, which was very <laughs> annoying for Knicks fans that all these undrafted players were suddenly becoming Clay Thompson for an entire season. Well, I was, I wanted to, like, again, I like, I root for the Knicks on the side, you know, like mm-hmm. when the Knicks, I'm fair, fair weather, right. I'm not like going through the struggles when y'all are low, but when you guys are good, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go Knicks. So mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, Knicks are going to the conference finals, dude. They're playing the eight seed. Obviously that didn't happen, but, um, and, I wanted to see, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I wanted to see Knicks Celtics, you know? So hopefully yeah. this time though, we'll see. We'll see. Listen, I would, I would sign up for it right now, which obviously, no shit, I'd sign up for it right now. <laughs> Roosh, you've been outstanding with your time. Thank you so much for joining me on this Super Bowl Sunday. Before you get out of here, please let the fine folks at home know where they can find you and all of your stuff. Yeah, Andrew, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Shout out to everyone at the Knicks Film School and all fans in New York. Um, Roosh Williams, that's that's where I'm at. You see it in the in the title, R-O-O-S-H Williams. If you ever want to watch a Rockets game live, get on Playback TV or just follow me and click the links and you'll find it. We host Rockets Watch. We host live streams of every Rockets game. Feel free to come join us. Um, we'd always love to have you. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're big proponents of Playback over here. We do watch parties as well as um, like film sessions where we break they got yeah, actual yeah. tape. So yeah, I, I've been I, really busy lately, so I haven't done it as much in terms of the non-game streams. But we used to do like daily, like basically like sports talk radio, like daily rooms, uh, of just like, hey, come vent, you know, let's talk Rockets. Playback's I, a great platform. So I don't know if I'm like giving away stuff for, uh, to Knicks fans watching. Like that may be our summer plan. It's just like we're on playback tonight. Just to, we're, we, oh, even dude, we're just talking about anything. We're on playback tonight. You listen know? on the side, if you if you let me know, because like we. We've been doing. We've been on playback now for almost two years, year and a half or so. So like we would the summer, the draft, like dude, that that's we. It was playback every day. It was like, hey, these are the topics. Come talk, vent session. So if you ever want any questions on like what to do with playback, hit me up. We'll absolutely be in touch, Roosh. Thank you for joining me, man. Appreciate you, man.